Unfortunately, for the first time, and I couldn't even tell you how long, Ohio State will not be playing the game against Michigan. Didn't happen. But nevertheless, Ohio State finds themselves in the Big Ten Championship, and we still have a lot of talking points to discuss. <sighs> that is uh, an audible sigh. Uh, just to 2020 again. I mean, 2020, the year where nothing makes sense, nothing has gone uh, well, if you ask me. Um, and as a, as a young man who grew up watching the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry every single year, uh, it, it, was, it was like a national holiday, it felt like, up in Northwest Ohio. For that to not happen this year, Mike, the only way I can describe it is, is devastating. That, that may sound uh, drastic or hyperbolic, but it's brutal. Brutal. Hey. If there's ever a year to miss the rivalry, it's probably this year. I don't think in the history of the rivalry, um, I, I don't even know how long they've been having point spreads. Uh, Las Vegas only became a thing in like the 1930s. So I doubt there's ever been a game where Michigan and Ohio State was as much of a disparity between the two teams. This was projected to be a 30-point spread, uh, a testament more so to how bad Michigan is as opposed to how good Ohio State is. Imagine if it was the Ohio State team from last year that was much more complete. I mean, you'd be talking like a 40-point spread or something. So I don't think I'm as bummed as you are, but I understand you understand the rivalry a lot more than I do being from Ohio. I'm, you know, I'm the East Coast kid that's kind of helicoptered in as a transplant. So I feel for you, and there will be no trash talking with your, with your uh, Michigan friends. I mean, you know, think about this, Mike. This rivalry – the last time it wasn't played, I believe, was 1917. And so this rivalry has withstood the Great Depression, uh, World War II, the Vietnam War, the Korean War, um, you know, the Spanish flu, all sorts of things it has withstood. And, and, you know, this year, 2020, with it's just it just stinks. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say anything more. I don't want to bite my own tongue or anything I don't want to say anything stupid it just stinks Mike yeah and it's a it's Michigan's fault which I guess is the silver lining there is that we can still play football next week and I think that we have to obviously talk about the national narrative and I think a lot of people are angry at Ohio State uh, they're angry at the Big Ten for changing the rules and allowing Ohio State into the Big Ten championship but I would respond to them by saying we're the only team who has had two games canceled because of the other team's COVID problems. Obviously it was our fault against Illinois. We yanked everyone off the field, but we followed all the proper protocols. We were able to play next week against Michigan state and just other teams are not, have not had those inconveniences per se. So, I mean, Nate, what do you think about that? The whole, like, I, I, I want to say almost Ohio state's been, become a national punching bag to people they, yeah they really have um and and the the tough part for me mike is it's it's just simply not ohio state's fault um that that program the athletic administration the the athletes at ohio state all along they've wanted to play football um you know that's kind of been the what they've said since the beginning right and and it, you know who's to blame them for being a part of the big 10 conference who made some rash decisions um, and, you know, have really since then looked silly, you know, Ohio state had multiple games canceled because of the big tens uh, rules with 21 day sit outs and their, their um, how like high the bar was in terms of positive tests. And you can say that that's taking care of the athletes all you want, the reality is it's different from the ACC. It's different from the SEC. And, and so I get where the, the frustration at Alabama or Texas A&M, Clemson, Florida, all these schools, I get where that frustration is coming from. But it's also not Ohio State's fault. They're in the Big Ten. Um, the committee came out from the start and said they're not going to look at, at records this year. They're just going to look at, you know, who are the four best teams and, and – for that reason, you know, I, I truly think 
that outside of Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame, there's not a better team than Ohio State. Yeah, and that, that's totally what it comes down to. And I think that the argument of allowing Ohio State into the Big Ten Championship or even the playoff, for that matter, it's kind of irrelevant, you know, because at the end of the day, I think Ohio State was either going to get in at 6-0 and or not. Uh, you know, despite being a Big Ten championship or not, you know, I don't think that that would affect them if they if let's say the Big Ten didn't allow uh, Ohio State into the Big Ten championship. And then we had a crossover. Who would we have played, Iowa or Wisconsin? Uh, yeah, I think Wisconsin, eh, Iowa might be right, actually. I think it yeah, is because Iowa. Iowa beat Wisconsin last week. So I think that they're going to be in the number two spot. So, OK, we play Iowa. Iowa, I don't think they're in the top 25 right now. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but, you know, they're not substantially worse than Northwestern uh, when they played earlier in the year. I think they played in the opener. It was a field goal spread either way. So those teams are pretty even. Iowa's actually played pretty well as of, as of late. So, you know, either way, Ohio State's adding a win to the resume. And at the end of the day, whether Ohio State is 6-0, whether they're 4-0, or whether they're 8-0, they're not as good of a team as last year. We'll be the first people to say that. We're not going to be massive homers and, and lie to you and tell you that they're as good as they were last year. But still, there's no way you can you can say that Texas A&M and, and you know, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm hesitant to put down Coastal Carolina, but, you know, USC and Iowa State and Oklahoma, there's no way those teams belong on the same field as Ohio State. And anyone will tell you. And I feel like this is just people trying to muster up drama because there's just a lack of a conversation otherwise mike can i ask you something do that does vegas have a spread if for an ohio state texas a&m game i think the i was listening to chris felica and stanford steve's podcast and i was surprised to hear they were both um in favor of leaving out ohio state but they did say that the spread would be about 13 points on a neutral field so that's a two touchdown game Okay. Okay, man. See, and th that's, that's just it. I'm, I, you know, Mike, I want to do a, a quick case study for us. Um, take us back to the, the 2017, 2018 season, uh, Ohio state that year, I believe is the year we lost to Iowa, um, got blown out against them. Um, and I believe lost as well to Oklahoma earlier in the year. But mm -hmm. if you remember going into the playoff, it came down to a two-loss Big Ten champion Ohio State and a one-loss SEC at-large Alabama Crimson Tide team that had lost, I believe, to Auburn. Um, they didn't even make the SEC championship. Didn't even make the SEC championship, and and Alabama got the nod. Um, and obviously, it was the it was the right call because they went on to win uh, the national championship that year. But Alabama got in without you know the the measure that they were a conference champion just because the committee was convinced they're one of the four best teams and you know if you really boil it down it's the same thing with Ohio State here sure they haven't played 10 games they haven't played 11 games that doesn't mean the last four months hasn't been hard for this team two of the games that got canceled they couldn't even help they weren't it, it wasn't their fault uh, they can't help the conference that they're in um, and, and remember, the committee is supposed to, to figure out who are the four best teams. It's supposed to be some sort of subjective opinion, eye test based thing. And to me, this Ohio State team, not that much different than a 2017, 2018 Alabama team. Mike, what do you think about that? I, yeah, I would, I would agree with that totally. And I think you could even wind the clock back further uh, to when we won the national championship in 2014, 15. That Ohio State team, especially beating Wisconsin 59 to nothing and how good that team looked and how good that team got throughout the course of the year. Uh, there's no way people in that room were saying that TCU or Baylor, you know, better than that team. And yeah, I think there's a certain bias that comes with the uniform, the scarlet and gray, just like there's bias in favor of Alabama and Clemson. But there's a reason for that. You're picking the best teams. Inevitably, you're going to default to the best programs because the track record's been there you know, for a long time. I kind of have a problem with the whole best thing. And this is kind of my uh, own issue with it. I think that the criteria should really be the most deserving because Ohio State could lose to Northwestern. And I would still think that we're one of the four best teams in the country. And I know that sounds crazy to say, but I would still take us on a neutral field over everyone. But Alabama and Clemson, I would still probably take us on a neutral field over Notre Dame. 
uh, just picking the best head to head. So what does best really mean? You know, Clemson could have two losses and I'm still going to pick them on a neutral field over basically every other team if they were to lose to Notre Dame. So that's, that's kind of, I guess, just a whole like side tangent, which, uh, you know, we don't, we don't want to really open up that can of worms, but just getting back to what you're saying, I think that's totally right. It makes sense though, Mike. I mean, that's kind of the, the world that we've shifted to, right. Where, you know, I feel like half the time you look at the Heisman trophy, you look at the MVP of the NFL or the NBA, whatever it is. I don't, I don't know if we always are giving it to the person who's most valuable. I, I, you know, it's, we're giving it to the person who's the best player on the best team. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not always the guy that's the most valuable to his team. I I feel like the last time the Heisman trophy was given to the guy who was most valuable was probably RG three Baylor without him doesn't win eight or nine games. Baylor wins two games. If that, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so it, it feels like a, a cultural shift. And I, I think you're right. No, um, Nate, you know what this is like? This is like when LeBron was with the Cavs and like the Hawks would win 62 games in the regular season and they would be the one seed. But in the playoffs, who's the best team? You know, like the cream right. rises the crop and then LeBron ends up coming out of the East, even though he had no help in Cleveland. And I feel like this is a lot like this. Like people are trying to make the case like, oh, the Atlanta Hawks are the best team in basketball. They've won 22 straight games. No, not really. Like at the end of the day, it's the best teams are going to be the best teams. And I guess it's the playoffs committee's job to sort that out. And and let's remember too, Mike, this is to, to be frank with our listeners. It's a business. And I'm not saying that because the the college football playoffs of business they're gonna they're only picking the brands I actually don't think that's the case but I think that the committee's gonna say hey we would rather have the four best teams so we can ensure three really solid matchups than to take a risk you know that's that's why a team like Cincinnati they're just never gonna get invited it's just not gonna happen they can't take the risk on the Rose Bowl being Alabama and Cincinnati and Alabama wins 80 to nothing. It's just too risky. It's a business. That happened to what that happened. Well, I guess they really didn't have any other choice but to put in Michigan State because Michigan State had dethroned Ohio State, obviously, uh, on the road um, in 2015, defending national champions. And then they also beat undefeated Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. So the committee reluctantly put them in, and then they lost, I think it was 45 to nothing to Alabama. So We've seen that story before where the committee kind of puts in a, an unknown quantity and then we've seen what's happened. Right. And, and, you know, the committee, we, we gave the example of Ohio state and Alabama, 2014, Ohio state, 2017, Alabama, a little bit ago, but the committee's messed this up too. I, you know, I think to that 2015 Ohio state team that you just mentioned, um, the way they played after they lost to Michigan state, I think they beat, uh, Michigan, like forty thirteen, yeah. they crushed Notre Dame. I think that team would have won the national title. I think they would have beat uh, a, a, Desh- a young Deshaun Watson led Clemson. I think they would have beaten a Jacob Coker, Derrick Henry led Alabama. I think they were that good. Same same deal in twenty sixteen. You know, Ohio State gets into the playoff over Penn State, but I think Penn State was probably the better team uh, that season. You know, they had Trace McSorley. They had uh Saquon Barkley so it feels like for every year the committee does something right (laughs) they do something wrong and I'm just hoping that this year uh they get it right in our favor um Mike if if you had to rank your top four let's let's take your criteria personally where you you say most deserving who are the who who are the four teams and what are their rankings yeah, so I'm a big most deserving guy, uh, and, it, and I don't think the committee's done this in the past. I feel like some years they've kind of done most deserving, other years they've done best, but whatever. Uh, I would say number one it would be Alabama. Number two would be Notre Dame. If Notre Dame had beaten Clemson with Trevor Lawrence, I probably would put Notre Dame ahead of Alabama, but I think so far the committee has it right there. I'm actually going to not put Ohio State into the top three or top four right now. Uh, and I know I'm kind of talking out of two sides of my mouth now, but if Ohio State gets to 6-0, and they win the Big Ten Championship, then they're deserving in my mind. Um, so I will say Clemson number three. And then number four, I'm not going to go with Coastal Carolina. Oh. Uh, I'm not going to go with Coastal Carolina. I'm going to say 
Cincinnati at four, but that's just strictly uh, based on how many games they've played. They've played three more games than Ohio State. I think that does mean something. But again, I have different criteria. If we're saying the best team, I would put Ohio State in there for sure. But me personally deserving, I would put Cincinnati in there. And then once Ohio State wins the Big Ten, it's a bigger deal than winning the AAC. I would bump Cincinnati for Ohio State. You know, Mike, uh, I, I think that those are are relatively fair. I would actually like to point out, though, um, and this this may feel like a hot take to people, and and as he always seems to be, Dabo Sweeney's in the news. Um, and, and and I'd like to call out Dabo Sweeney and ask him, who on your what what on your resume is impressive? You're you're bashing Ohio State because they haven't played enough games. Well, who have you beaten? You, the Miami. only big game of your season, you played Notre Dame and, and somehow were hyping up a Miami team that gave up 540 yards rushing to North Carolina. This is ridiculous. This is insane. If they go and beat Notre Dame this week, okay. But at this point, Clemson's resume is as, as bland as Ohio State's. I, I think Indiana would beat Miami, Florida, probably by two or three touchdowns. Yeah, it's so hard because these conferences are are very, very top-heavy. So, you know, for Clemson and Notre Dame, where can their quality wins really come from, if not for, from each other? Even for Alabama, like, their best win to this point is what, Georgia? And Georgia's been very uninspiring all year, especially on offense. Um, well, they did beat Texas A&M, but A&M wasn't really playing well, and A&M since yeah. then really hasn't played any one. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, I guess I'm just not a believer in AM. I feel like it's the same story. I feel like AM just hasn't had enough games against good teams to really expose how fraudulent they are. Uh, you know, they beat Florida, but I, I again I'm not a believer in Florida, especially after losing to LSU at home. AM beat AM beat Vanderbilt by five. Vanderbilt. They went 0 and 10. But Nate, Nate, I want to push back, uh, and I, I guess we could come to this collectively. I, I don't know, because we always say, like, okay, the problem with the SEC is if the SEC wins, then they say, oh, my God, look how good, look how great the teams are in the SEC. And then if a good team loses in the SEC to a bad team, like Florida losing to LSU, they always say, oh, well, that just proves how deep the conference is, which is very frustrating. But are we too far the other direction? Are we too far – in underselling everyone else's resumes like you know where is the like who is a good resume that's what i say like like who has the best resume in college football right now in your opinion i i think honestly i think it's notre dame uh when when you were saying your top four i think alabama's looked like the best team um but i think notre dame's schedule has been remarkably impressive you know yeah they they beat clemson without trevor lawrence well guess what DJU threw for 450 yards. They shut down Travis Etienne. They dominated the line of scrimmage. That's why they won the football game. Trevor Lawrence wouldn't have added much. Um, and and they, they went to, you know, I, I hit on North Carolina a little bit ago. They went to North Carolina and beat an okay North Carolina team, but they kind of dominated them. Um, and so, I you know, I think that those two wins – I, are, are in my opinion the best but I think it, it honestly comes down to Notre Dame Alabama you know solid wins at or I guess it was at home against Texas A&M Texas A&M home against Georgia and then being completely honest I think Coastal Carolina you know they, they have a chance to beat Louisiana this weekend for the Sun Belt Championship um, they've beaten a good Appalachian State team. They've beaten a really good BYU team. They could they could end the season with three ranked wins. Yeah, that's really true. Like if Coastal Carolina had national reputation coming into the season, like if they were one of those, uh, what's the guy's name, the lefty on Boise State, Kellen Moore? Kellen Moore. Uh, yeah. If it was one of those Kellen Moore Boise State teams who was like top ten heading into the year. I mean, they'd be in the playoff. They, they would. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. The way they beat BYU and, and Lafayette, and they have another chance to beat Louisiana. Uh, the Sun Belt's been a really good conference this year. The Sun Belt head-to-head. Remember, the Big 12 has been out of the playoff conversation for a long time, and a big reason for that was because the Big 12 head-to-head against the Sun Belt is 0-3. The Sun Belt's got them. They're 3-0. 
That was like what the first weekend of the season. It was crazy. Yeah. So Sun Sunbelt might actually be. I know this sounds crazy. The Sun Belt might be like the third or fourth best conference in college football. I really think you're right. I'm I'm excited for their championship this weekend. And they got a freshman quarterback too. I, they'll right. be they'll come back next year and they'll probably be ranked like 20th and they'll have a chance like you know to schedule someone big out of out of conference and they'll be a fun team to continue to follow. But Nate, I think uh, Mike, real quick. Yeah, yeah. You know, just to entertain me for a second. Um, you know, I've kind of, I've kind of, because of you, I think, gotten on this uh, Sun Belt Coastal Carolina bandwagon. They're sitting at 13. Uh, Cincinnati sitting at eight, I believe. You know, only generally only one non-power five gets a, a New Year's six bull berth. Um, whoever's higher ranked right now, obviously Cincinnati is the higher ranked team. But it, d does the committee have that right? Or, or should Coastal Carolina be ranked higher? I, you know, I, I don't feel like Cincinnati's resume is crazy impressive. Um, you know, they're going to play Tulsa this weekend, who's a ranked team. They beat UCF, who, you know, has actually lost three or four games this season. I think they beat yeah. a Houston team. What, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to redact my previous statement where I said that Cincinnati should be in my – final four right now and I'm going to put Coastal Carolina there I was I was kind of shocked to see upon further review I mean I've basically watched every, this is how the most the craziest thing about 2020 is not COVID it's the fact that I've watched 95% of Coastal Carolina's games this year um <laughs> and yeah that that win over Appalachian State is is really impressive too that's like a pseudo top 25 win as well uh, they have a really, they have a much better resume than, than, uh, than Cincinnati for sure. Right. Right. I, I think, I think the same thing. Um, Mike, one, one, sorry. There's such, you know, exciting chat. No, we're fired up. This is good. Just to talk about this stuff. I, I want to ask your opinion. Um, obviously we're a col or we're an Ohio state podcast. We love college football at large. Um, say that this weekend, Alabama beats uh, Florida handily. Let's say Notre Dame beats Clemson by 10. So that they've beat Clemson twice. Ohio State wins. Who's the fourth team to get into the playoffs? Say, let's say Iowa State goes and plays Oklahoma and beats them by two touchdowns. Do you put a two-loss Big 12 Iowa State champion in the playoff? Or do you put a one-loss – no real impressive win Texas A&M team or do you go to Cincinnati I'm gonna go off the board entirely and put in USC uh, assuming USC beats Oregon and I I'm like having a tough time comprehending well I've always been a strength of record guy I think that that kind of like you know makes your um, that's like the best indicator of a resume, but this is causing my brain to get twisted in knots because I'm reading the strength of records right now and it's Alabama, Notre Dame. Okay. You know, we could agree. That's yeah. fair. Number three is Texas A&M. Number four is Indiana. <laughs> number what? five is USC. Number six is coastal Carolina. Uh, and number seven is Ohio state. Number eight, Cincinnati, number nine, Clemson, number 10, Georgia. So that's kind of breaking my mind a little bit now. I don't understand how Indiana is above Ohio State, uh, considering we beat them. So maybe it's not the right. best metric. Um, but anyway, uh, to go back to what you're saying, I feel like USC kind of deserves a shot. Like the 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 thing the committee is always defaults on is like if you have two teams and one is not ostensibly better, one is not clearly better than the other one, and the team with the conference championship should win out, right? And how can you say that Texas A&M is definitively better than USC when USC in my hypothetical world wouldn't have a loss and they would have won the Pac-12? I think that should mean something. And they also, if you're just talking about like NFL guys, they have Keaton Slovis, who's going to be probably a top five pick in two years and, and a franchise NFL quarterback. So they have pedigree behind them too. I really like USC for that last spot. Obviously that, uh... the perfect world, Coastal Carolina. But what do you think about that? Man, I, I honestly had not even considered that. Um, but I, I think you're right. You know, uh, they would have an identical record to Ohio state. They'd be sitting there at six and zero, and sure. 
you know, all of USC's wins have been kind of nail biters from what I've seen. Um, yeah, but, they should not have won uh, at least two of their three, at least right. two of their five games. But you're six to zero, and you're um, you're the champion of a Power Five conference, and it it almost feels like if that scenario happens, and you don't let USC in, you are communicating to the Pac-12 that they are lesser um, because they play the same amount of games as Ohio State, and they're a Power Five conference champion. Uh, so that's I I, I think that's an interesting. Point. I think that they probably should get the nod, but I, I honestly don't think that they would. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just too far back. They have too much ground to make up. They're 15th right now. Wow. Um, yeah, so even It'll if they – It'll be interesting to see tonight. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, it might update. So they might go up – even if they go up to like 10 and they did a, you know, Ohio State, Wisconsin, 59 nothing on Oregon – Problem is Oregon's not a ranked team. Oregon's a lot worse than people expected. USC just didn't have that juice coming into the season. So I mean, who knows? That could be interesting to see. I would just hate to see Texas A&M at eight and one, uh, not even winning their division, get in over six and zero USC who won their conference. And literally the only reason it would be because they have a good loss uh, being to Alabama, which is ridiculous. Right. Right. Yeah. I. This is going to infuriate you too, Mike. I, I really think that if, say, Oklahoma just goes out and throttles Iowa State, which I think is plausible, um, I could see Oklahoma getting the nod. It feels like the committee is always willing to let an Oklahoma team with a bad loss early in the season back in the mix. I know they have two losses this time, but it's 2020. Who knows? Yeah, I could see that. I, mean, I, I would almost be more accepting of that than Texas A&M because at least they would have won their conference, and they definitely got better as the year went on. Uh, I think Spencer Rattler is actually a good quarterback as opposed to Kellen Mond. Um, well, this is actually really interesting. So I'm looking at the All-State playoff predictor right here, and USC has a 50% chance of making the playoff. What? Wow. Yeah. Wow, one and two shot. Yeah, uh, not bad. You want to try to guess the? I'm trying to look. Uh, there are nine teams with at least a one percent chance of making the playoff. Can you try to guess them, Nate? You get three strikes. All right, Alabama. Yeah, of course. Ohio State. Yep. Clemson. Mm -hmm. Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. uh, I just told you USC, so that one counts. Th those are the top five. Those are the top five. Cincinnati. Yep, they're uh, they're seven. Um, Iowa State. Nope. Ooh, strike one. Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. Two more. Florida. Nah, they're uh, they're point two percent. They're under one percent. Mm. See so one more strike down your down. You're, you got to choke up on the bat. Got to choke up. Just trying to hit a single here. Uh, give me Northwestern. Yep, 1%. So there's one other team missing. You fouled that one off. I was going with the high heat inside. I did. You got a piece. I just got a piece of it. Oh, man. Give me Oklahoma. Mm -mm. Indiana. I was very surprised to see really? that. Yeah, I don't know. How does Indiana, especially with Michael Penix being out for the year, I don't see the committee – I'm at Indiana would probably lose by 65 points if they played Alabama. Um, Oof, that'd be ugly. Yeah, I don't see how the committee would put in two Big Ten teams, especially after all the criticism that the Big Ten's gotten for pushing in Ohio State. Right, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't see. I guess they'd have one loss, um, but I feel like there's no way Indiana gets the nod over a Texas A&M. Right, because it's the same thing, right? It's like you're if you're going to put in Indiana for having a good loss to Ohio State, you should put in Texas A&M for having a better loss to Alabama and playing more games. Uh, right. Know, just right. Even though it's only one more game, so it's like pretty much hardly a difference, but still. I mean, hey, if Texas A&M loses to Tennessee, which is not out of the realm of possibility, they're two touchdown favorite. Crazier things have happened, and uh, that would be amazing. 
Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Nate, let's do a quickly, uh, let's talk about like a doomsday scenario. Not doomsday scenario, this would just kind of be a crazy scenario. So let's say Alabama uh, beats Florida, Notre Dame beats Clemson, Ohio State wins, and then Texas A&M loses to Tennessee, uh, Indiana loses, Iowa State loses to Oklahoma. So now you basically have to put in a two-loss team. Okay, basically does Clemson go in at 9-2, and two? Does Cincinnati go in at 9-0 as the AAC champ, or does Georgia go in or Coastal Carolina? Is, would, Oklahoma, or USC. would Oklahoma still be in there? And Oklahoma at 8-2 and two and USC at 6-0. I have this stinking suspicion that the committee would put in Clemson. Yeah, it, um, it sucks too. Because well, it, that sucks so much. I mean, they'd have to play Alabama, and I don't think they'd win that. But it's it really does. It sucks. Yeah, but then you get the whole Dabo Sweeney. Oh, we're an underdog. We're nine and two. Nobody believes in us, and you have to hear that all that crap. And then Trevor Lawrence probably. Oh. I mean, it's sort of a win-win because, like, well, you know, either they lose to Alabama, and we never get to see Trevor Lawrence in the college uniform again, or they win, and then you know, our road to win gets easier by not playing Alabama. But um, nevertheless, yeah, I mean, we could talk about this for for a long, long time anyway. We do have a football game ahead of us, believe it or not. That has been lost in the shuffle for sure. Nate, one – I'm going to ask you this off the top. One to ten, one being, you know, not worried at all. This is like playing Toledo at home in a September game. Um (laughs) Joe Bowserman's not your quarterback, so that's the one. That's the one caveat. Um, and ten being like, you know, I would say one of those years we went into Michigan when we were, you know, a five-point underdog. Uh, we were obviously pretty worried about that. Where Where are you on the worry meter? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put it at probably like a two or a three. Um, and the reason for that is partially based on Northwestern as a team, but partially. Um, on just the current situation. So for starters, um, I look at this Northwestern team and I just say, I don't, I I know that they have a very, very good defense. Patty Fisher has those boys rolling. Uh, He's racked up 65 tackles in like six games. Um, They have a a solid secondary as well. um, Who's, you know, they have one, one DB who's already got five picks. Um, which is pretty impressive. I just look at the offense and it's just not enough. Um, you know, Peyton Ramsey, he's serviceable. He's, he's stabilized them nine touchdowns, six picks. They really can't run the ball with a ton of effectiveness. Um, their receivers are okay. And so even if their, their defense comes and, and plays the game of their lives, I don't think they can hold Ohio state to less than 20, 28 points probably you know four touchdowns that feels possible and I don't think you know looking at Northwestern's games this season they've only scored more than 28 points one time it was the first week of the year against Maryland um and and then the on the other side of the coin Mike I think that this Ohio State team um we saw what they did a couple of weeks ago against Michigan State when they were starting to hear the noise starting to hear, you know, oh, man, they don't have three of their starting offensive linemen. Who knows what's going to happen? Can they win this game? Better watch out. And as soon as the narrative became that, this team changed. Um, And now the narratives, this team's not good enough. They don't deserve it. They shouldn't be there. Oh, the Big Ten moved wind wind and and earth and and everything else to get them into the championship game. And they're going to get a playoff berth and don't deserve it. And I think that is going to make this team angry. Let's not forget all year long, they've been playing for this time of the year. They've been waiting for a chance at, at Clemson again. Um, and so I think this is going to be a highly, highly motivated Ohio state football team. Uh, so my, my fear isn't very high, Mike, what do you think? Do you have any fear, any pause looking at this Northwestern team at this matchup? No, it's like a two for me as well. I think the fact that Ohio State's going to going to be motivated, that's kind of like the most important thing to to consider here. And if you want to make the comparison to the 2018 season, because I think a lot of people have done that 
And I think we've kind of proven over the last couple of games, our defense is a little bit better than 2018 and our run game certainly better offensively and we're probably better passing too. But we played Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. We, we killed them. You know, I think it was 48 or 42 to, to 24 was the final. Dwayne Haskins had 500 yards passing and five touchdowns. And a large reason why, why we were so dominant was because that game is being played indoors. You know, Ohio State has speed. Northwestern does not have the speed to match Ohio State. If this is being played outdoors, you know, in Chicago, uh, in Soldier Field, and it was snow and wind, you know, I, I, my worry meter would certainly go up because if you play Northwestern in a box and it, you play three yards in a cloud of dust football, they can grind you and certainly make you earn every yard. But I just think at the end of the day, we're going to turn this into a track meet and Northwestern doesn't have the corners nor the personnel to keep up with Ohio State punch for punch. Right, right. I, I think it really does. It comes down to that. Um, they also not know. that impressed. Just looking at the resume, like, yeah, that Wisconsin win, everyone was so excited about that Wisconsin win, but Wisconsin has completely fallen apart at the seams. They lost to Michigan State, probably the most incapable Michigan State team we've seen in 15 years. Uh, and otherwise – their, their, their best win is beating Maryland 43 to three. And, you know, if your best win is beating Mike Loxley, that's not that impressive. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, and I think, you know, probably the best team in the West now we we've been able to find out is probably an Iowa team that feels like they're kind of hitting their peak. Um, But Northwestern did what it had to do to get to this spot. Um, And so yeah, I, I think – I don't think it's going to be a, a fantastic football game. I hope it's not. I hope the Buckeyes pull away uh, early and, and you know, leave no doubt in the committee's mind that, hey, we are a good football team. We're here to be reckoned with. I want to see a strong performance from the defense. If they could hold this Northwestern team to under 14 points, I think they'd go a long way. Is there a certain outcome that we should be rooting for this weekend? So let, let's kind of, I mean, look, we, we sort of did the same thing when talking about Michigan State. We spent a lot of the podcast talking about the national narrative because we kind of knew that the Michigan State outcome was a little bit of a foregone conclusion. That game was a 24-point spread. This one's not much different. It's a 21-point spread. But what national – you know, outcome should we be looking for? Because personally, I want to avoid Alabama and Clemson in the first round of the playoff, but I'm kind of struggling to see how that happens. Yeah, it's it's tough. I don't – I honestly, Mike, I don't know if it's possible. Um, to me, if Alabama loses uh, to, to Florida, the worst that's going to happen probably is they fall to two. Um and if, if Clemson beats Notre Dame in that situation, Clemson's going to be one. We're still going to be the four seed. I think we only get up to uh, the three seed probably if um, Notre Dame beats Clemson again. And in that case, Clemson would be out. And I actually think Notre Dame might hop Alabama to the one seed at that point, and we'd play Alabama the two-three matchup. It To me, it just feels like – playing one of those two teams right off the bat feels kind of inevitable. Um, and, you know, I, I'd be excited to play Clemson, but the thought of playing Alabama, I, I'm still not over what Michael Penix Jr. and Ty Freifogel did to us. I, I'm, you know, I would have nightmares thinking about Devontae Smith and um, – yeah, Jalen Waddle, all those guys. Yeah, and Mac Jones, and yeah, everyone else. Oh, yeah. If if Alabama beats Florida convincingly, let's say they beat them by 30, they hang like 60 points on them, and Notre Dame narrowly beats Clemson, maybe Notre Dame can stay at two, and then we'll obviously go to three at that point, and then whoever they sub in at four. But then I don't think the committee is going to want to have a Texas A&M-Alabama rematch in the opening round. Um, I think they're going to want to probably, in that case, put Alabama at two. So you get the Ohio State-Bama uh, ratings boost for the semifinal, and then you have Texas A&M-Notre Dame on the other side. 
that just seems like what they would do. So I think you're right. It's a foregone conclusion. I guess, fortunately, um, we were kind of saying the same thing back in 2015. I remember when we were trying to get into the playoff as the, as the four seed, um, you know, as soon as our name was called, I think I joked with you and the rest of our roommates, like, oh, awesome. We get a, we get a chance to get smoked by Bama. Um, <laughs> it was obviously a lot different team and it worked out differently, but you know, Ryan day with a month to prepare for, and you know, and obviously, uh, our defensive coaches with a month to prepare for those receivers. Any, anything can happen. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything can happen. Um, and, and, you know, Mike, we've said it before, but the emotional mental side of the game is a powerful thing. Uh, people doubting you, not believing you being the team that's backed into the corner it has a, a powerful effect. And so it's going to be interesting um, to see what happens here down the stretch. Uh, regardless, though, I, I do want to say real quickly, just tremendously proud to be an Ohio State alumni and the way that this uh, team and this staff and this whole university's handled this really odd year. Um, you know, it, it could be like Michigan. It could be like Penn State. Those schools combined for five wins, and and we're sitting here at five and zero, back in the Big Ten championship. Uh, I think it's a testament to those to those young men. So, uh, great job to to Ryan Day, Justin Fields, all those guys. It's it's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, we've been kind of critical, especially of the defense this year. Uh, that Indiana game, I'm still kind of frustrated over it. There's some residual frustration, but yeah, at the end of the day, I was talking to my dad about this and it's just essentially like, you know, we are only going to have so many, uh, so many opportunities to see Justin Fields, who in my mind is the greatest Ohio state quarterback to ever don the uniform. You might say Troy Smith, uh, you know, we could save that, that debate for another day, but he's been so amazing to watch. And outside of a few, you know, mental blunders against Clemson and Indiana, he has been in, pretty much perfect for the better part of 22 games. So it's been just so amazing to watch this team and, and watch Ryan day and what everything is being built. And, you know, we just got to count our blessings and, and be grateful that it's, it's lasting as long as it is. Right. Right. And it doesn't stop there. Uh, tomorrow's national, or I guess it's the early national signing day. It's kind of become the de facto national signing day. Um, a lot of these high school seniors want to want to sign and um, get on campus as soon as possible. And so tomorrow is National Signing Day. Uh, as many of you know, Ohio State sits at, according to the 247 composite, the best uh, ranking system out there. Ohio State's class sits at second in the country, only to Alabama. Um, they're behind Alabama by about five points. Alabama does have one more recruit than Ohio State. Uh, their, their average uh, ranking or, or uh, yeah, I guess ranking per recruit is right about the same at 95.5. Uh, tremendous class that Ryan Day and Ohio State's put together. Um, Mike, what do you think about this class? Or are, you, are you excited? Emeka Egbuka signed or committed last week. He's going to sign tomorrow. I think all 21 guys signing tomorrow. Uh, what do you think about what Ryan Day has done as a recruiter at Ohio State? Oh, it's amazing. I never would have expected this in a million years. I thought our recruiting would take a little bit of a step back because Urban Meyer was just a legendary recruiter. But I guess, you know, you give a man the resources like Ryan Day has at Ohio State and with his assistant coaches, they can close the deal. But I think looking at the class, the most important thing is what positions we're recruiting. Jack Sawyer, we talked about this year, not having that perimeter edge rusher, by the way, Chase Young, what, what an NFL season he's having. Um, and a guy who can kind of be the next Joey Bosa, be the next Nick Bosa, be the next Chase Young. So we have that in Jack Sawyer. We have the next great five-star wide receiver who can come in and fill in for Olave. Not that Olave was a, was a four-star, but Olave is going to be gone. Uh, Garrett Wilson, Julian Fleming. So it's important to keep up that line, especially if we're going to be continue to be a passing offense. And then I think also getting Travion Henderson, a running back. We have not had that blue chip running back in a while. And having a five-star guy, 
uh, number one at the position nationally, a five-star guy, you know, 97 overall. I think he's going to be huge. He's a guy who can come in and play right away. Um, so if you just look at what we're getting, it feels like not only are we getting the best players in the class, but we're getting them in positional needs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, cannot say enough about it's not just Ohio. They went and they went and locked down the state of Ohio, obviously Jack Sawyer right in their backyard in Columbus. Um, they got Mike Hall, defensive tackle, top 50 overall player. Uh, they got Reed Carrico down from Ironton. He's a top 100 player. Ben Chrisman, top 125 player at, at guard. Uh, they locked down the the borders of this state, and then they went from from there and did it on a national scale. They went out and got Emeka Egbuka. They got, like you said, Travion Henderson, Kyle McCord, Donovan Jackson, Jacqueline Johnson, Jordan Hancock, guys from all over uh, the United States cannot say enough. Um, about what this this group of coaches and recruiters have done, um, Mike, which is a it's kind of a perfect transition to one of our questions from the listeners. Um, it, it, it's about National Signing Day in this recruiting class, and his name's Chad. He wants to know, in terms of importance, rank the five stars for Ohio State, Kyle McCord, Donovan Jackson, Jack Sawyer, Travion Henderson, Emeka Agbuka, in, in terms of importance, how would you rank those guys? Um, I'm trying to do quick in my head. Uh, so I would say number one, Jack Sawyer. Uh, I think pass rusher is probably the most important position other than quarterback. And the only reason why I'm putting Kyle McCord lower on this list is because he has – I, I, I kind of like the quarterbacks we have currently in the room, and we have an amazing quarterback coming down in the pop pipeline. And Quinn Ewers, so I'm going to put McCord a little lower down. Number one, Jack Sawyer. Uh, number two, Trevion Henderson, just because this team needs a legit running back moving forward, um, especially if Master Teague is going to be gone and Trey Sermon as well. Uh, number three, I'm going to say Emeka Egbuka, filling that need again. Potentially, he can come in and start right away next to Garrett Wilson. Number four, I'll say Kyle McCord. There's a chance he could compete and beat Stroud and beat Miller. Um, for the starting job, it's possible. And then number five, Donovan Jackson. I think we're pretty deep on the offensive line. This coaching staff has done a pretty good job recruiting them year after year. But, you know, to get the national attention and be a five-star as an interior offensive lineman is, is pretty impressive. So I could see Donovan Jackson being a, a three-year starter on the offensive line for Ohio State. But, um, you know, I, I, sorry, I'm hesitant to sell him short. Would, would you tinker with my list at all? I, uh... I, I put Travion Henderson one. Um, I, I totally agree with what you're saying about Jack Sawyer, and he is going to be um, great. But I do think I trust Larry Johnson and the depth of that position. Um, so I'd put Travion one. He's a generational-type talent at the running back position. I'd put Jack Sawyer two. Um, I would put Donovan Jackson three. And I only am doing that. I think you're right. The line is deep. But I think he may start as a freshman. I could see him starting as, at guard next year as a freshman, maybe moving out to tackle. Uh, he's kind of that 6'5", 300-pound frame. He could play tackle if need be. Um, and then I, I'd finish that with uh, Emeka Agbuka and Kyle McCord kind of tied. They're both incredibly talented. We just have more depth at the quarterback and at the receiver position. Um, so I feel a little bit more – confident there like that mike why don't we continue we got a couple of other questions here um the next one we've got comes from aaron uh he asks is sean wade in your opinion a first round pick then also brings up the names what about tommy togiai and chris olave do you think those guys you know sean wade was kind of a unanimous first round pick uh, going into the um, season, but maybe that's changed. What do you think of those three guys in particular? Who is it? it was Sean Wade, Tommy Togiai, and who's the third? And Chris Olave. Ooh, um, I don't think Olave is going to be a first-round pick because the receiving class is, like, really deep. You know, you have Jamar Chase at LSU. You have both Bama guys. 
Right. Um, I mean, LSU has other receivers too. That Marshall kid's like really talented. So I feel like Olave will probably be a second round pick. Um, I don't think Sean Wade's a first round pick anymore. I think that it's kind of scary. Like, at least I would have hesitation to draft him. Like, he was really good in the slot, but you have to understand he was also around two first round picks. Whether Damon Arnett is a first round pick or not, or deserves to be a first round pick, is another story. But he still had two cornerbacks around him that were first round picks and Jordan Fuller, who in retrospect probably should have been a first round pick. So you isolate Sean Wade, you put him on an island like he did this year with Jahan Dodson and Fry Fogel on Indiana, and he's kind of gotten whooped a little bit. So I would be hesitant to spend a first-round pick on him. Meanwhile, Tommy Togiai, he's given me Aaron Donald vibes. I don't know if he's going to be Aaron Donald. That is a obviously a really high bar to set for him, but they say he's a beast in the weight room, just like Aaron Donald. He's six foot two, 300 pounds, so he's a little bit undersized in terms of height to be like a, a legit like NFL D tackle. But he, I don't know. I feel like he, he's just a, a wrecking ball a defensive tackle. So I would, I would spend like a 25 to 30, like right in that area, uh, pick on Tommy Togiai. Okay. I, I like that. I, those two, uh, Tommy Togiai and Haskell Garrett together have been absolutely outstanding uh, on that interior uh, offensive line. Um, I'm with you on Sean Wade. I, I think that – I think he was a product of talent around him last year. I also do think that he is he, – he's a pretty talented nickel guy. And so – but I, I don't think nickel cornerbacks get drafted in the first round, not often at least. And so I think he'll probably slip into the second – um, I think Tommy Togia is probably a second or third round pick as well, just purely because of name recognition. I feel like there's someone at Bama or someone at Clemson um, or LSU who, who's got a bigger name than him. I do, however, I think Chris Olave is going to sneak into the first round. And the reason for that, a, a lot of the, the winning football teams in the NFL, I feel like have coaches who, who don't take – uh, crap from wide receivers. Um, I think about a, a Bill Belichick or a, a Mike Tomlin, um, coaches like that. And so for that reason, I could see Chris Olave in the right situation getting picked up there right at the end of the first round. Um, maybe he's not as talented as some of these guys, some of these other receivers, but I think his character um, and who he is as a, as a young man might be, might speak more, uh, than some of these other, uh, you know, top receivers in the draft. So I think Chris Olave is going to sneak in there at the end of the first round. I think you can lock in though, Justin Fields, certainly, um, as a first round pick, I think you can also likely lock in Wyatt Davis at guard as a first oh, round yeah. pick. I mean, Justin Fields, like, I really hope that I've, I've been looking at mock drafts every week and kind of been panicked at the prospect of Justin Fields going to the Jaguars. I feel like his – sort of like Deshaun Watson going to the Texans, I feel like his career can kind of go and, and die there, even if he's productive. Um, I, I don't know where the best landing spot for Justin Fields would really be. Maybe the Lions, but I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I hope he gets the right situation too. I, I really do. Um and, you know, there's, there's a couple other players who've, who've worked. They're not going to be first-round picks, but I think they've had really good seasons. They're going to help. I think about a Thayer Mumford. I think he's played his, his way up the draft board. Haskell Garrett, uh, same deal. And then all three of the linebackers. Uh, you know, Tough Borland's probably made himself a draftable uh, linebacker. Pete Warner, probably a second- or third-round pick. Same thing for Baron Browning. So there are players who are um, upping – their draft status. Mike, our last question here um, comes from Kyle, and he is talking Ohio State hoops. I'm not sure how much you've paid attention to the Buckeye hoops team so far. I think they're four and zero or five and zero. Yeah, they're 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 playing all right. He wants to know who is the guy on this team? Is it Justice Suing? Is it Seth Towns? Is it Dwayne Washington? Is it EJ Liddell? Who is the guy that you're going to have to go to to win games in the Big Ten? 
Yeah, it feels a little weird that, you know, we're not relying on a Caleb Wesson pick and pot for the first time in four years. Ooh, uh, that feels good. Uh, you know I'm very fond of this guy. I've been a huge C.J. Walker fan. Uh, mm. Maybe I'm just a sucker for the point guard, but I feel like he just makes the offense happen. He's a pretty good shooter. He hasn't shot that well this year so far, but he's still averaging 13 a game and four assists. Um, I think he's our most valuable guy, but I think – Game on the line, we need to hit a bucket. Who do you ISO, like one-on-one, James Harden style? I would say probably Dwayne Washington. I still think he's our most reliable scorer. Um, yeah, but, I mean, just as a testament to show that I'm not locked in on Ohio State hoops, I texted you, Nate, like, during the first game. I was like, man, this just ensuing. This is pretty good for a freshman. You're like, he's a, he's a third-year transfer. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, oh, that explains it. Um, so, so yeah, I'm not not super locked in. As soon as the football season, uh, actually, I'll I'll start I'll start really locking into football. I got nothing better to do, or really locking into basketball. What do you think, Nate? I I think it. You know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. He hasn't even played a game yet, but I think it could be um, Seth Towns. I think that he's six nine. He's a shooter. Uh, he he's all the makings of a, a wing that can go get a bucket, and so. Um, he's had a lot of injuries, some trouble with the knees. We'll see if that pans out. If it's not Seth Towns, I'm with you. I think it is Dwayne Washington. He is an NBA-type guard. He's too inconsistent right now. That's kind of always been the story with Dwayne Washington. But he has a clip and an offensive arsenal that screams NBA at you. It's just whether or not he can clean that up and get a little bit more consistent Mike the the Buckeye basketball team is gonna be interesting to watch this year I I had them on on Sunday when they were playing Cleveland State and they showed the rest of the Buckeye schedule and they have to play Iowa Wisconsin or no excuse me Iowa Illinois and Michigan State all twice and they have to play Wisconsin on the road only uh so those are all top 10 teams so, you know, it's always kind of been if you're 500 in the league, you're going to get into the tournament. It'll be interesting to see if the Buckeyes can get to that nine and nine, maybe even eight and 10 would get them in um, conference record. Yeah. And we have North Carolina this weekend, too. Um, wow. The sports slate this weekend is just, ridiculous. Yeah. It's insane. There's NFL games on Saturday, there's the 12 o'clock. Ohio State Northwestern. Then we have Ohio State North Carolina basketball at 4:30, same time as Clemson Notre Dame, Alabama Florida the nightcap, and then I'm supposed to you know wake up and do the whole thing over again, the NFL on Sunday. But uh, that's that's what you live for. I didn't know Rutgers is ranked in the top 20. The Big tw- the Big Ten is so loaded. Oh my gosh, it's it's ridiculous. Hey, and and don't forget about uh, a little game that's happening on Saturday as well. Um, time still not announced, but the Sun Belt, the Fun Belt championship game will be on Saturday as well. Um, but yeah, it also Iowa Gonzaga play uh, Saturday afternoon, I think at noon. Um, it's ridiculous. I have a I have a good friend, Mike, here in Athens. He's a Packers fan, an IU Hoops fan, and a Notre Dame fan. He's from Indiana, and he literally IU Hoops at eleven o'clock. Notre Dame at four, Green Bay at eight fifteen. He says if all three win, it may be the best day of his life. Yeah, people in Indiana really take IU hoop seriously. Like that's it, it's it's on another level. Like it's still nineteen eighty four. Yeah, I mean, I I love Hoosiers as much as the next guy, but uh, it's hard to get. The thing is, in college basketball, it's just like you lose a game. It's just such a quick turnaround to the next one. It almost feels like the NBA, you know, versus like college football, it just kills you, uh, especially with the playoff, you know, your season's uh... – but anyway, I, I yeah, Chris Holtman's done such a great job with, with this team. I just counted there's eight top 25 teams in the in the Big Ten. That's 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 really bananas. Um, so I guess we'll see. We'll see how the basketball team shapes up this week. Uh, Purdue at Purdue tomorrow, probably our toughest game of the year. So far, maybe maybe the Notre Dame game um, and then North Carolina over the weekend. But, Nate, you want to finish this podcast off? Let's do uh, quick predictions for the college football games this weekend. Yeah, let's do it. I'd love it. All right, let's start Oregon at USC. Keaton Slovis, uh, kind of the comeback kid himself. Uh, two games this year, USC had a 1% chance of winning, and they were able to come back and win. 
Uh, do you think that they're going to keep it up at home against Oregon? Is that – they're just playing that at USC? Yeah. No fans, though, obviously. Wow, okay. Um, I actually think Oregon's going to upset them. I know Oregon hasn't played super well this year, but I think their physicality is going to be a lot for uh, USC to handle. And, you know, Oregon didn't – they didn't really earn the the right to the go to this game. And I think because of that, they're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder – um, look for Kayvon Thibodeau and others on that defensive side to get after uh, Kadon Slovis. I think Oregon wins, uh, we'll say 28 to 20. Yeah, so did Oregon think their season was over and then they're just like, oh, wait, no, you actually have to play against USC? Or were they going to play another game and it just they just got bumped up? I think I, I think they really thought it was over. <laughs> That's, in, that's a crazy, like, oh, yeah, we're not done yet. Come back. Uh, but Mario Cristobal is a really good coach, so I, I think that maybe he could focus the troops. I do think USC is going to win, though. I think they're really solid. Um, I've actually watched a lot of USC uh, football this, this year. The Pac-12 has been weird. They've had some t- noon kickoffs, which if you're yeah. in California is 9 a.m. That's, that's kind of bananas. Uh, so, yeah, I think USC is going to take care of business. We'll circle back to Ohio State at the end. Texas A&M at Tennessee, any chance for the flight fighting tra- Clay Travis's to pull off this upset? I think this one's going to be sneaky close, but I, I don't think so. Tennessee's rotten. Um, so I'm going to take Texas A&M to win this one. Um, I'll say I'm going to keep it fairly low scoring. Both teams like to run the football. I think it'll be a quick game. We'll say final score 24-21 Texas A&M. Yeah, I'm sort of in the same uh, ballpark. I'll say 31-21, Texas A&M. I wouldn't pick them to cover the spread, but I think they are going to win. Oklahoma, Iowa State, Nate. I think Oklahoma is going to pound Iowa State. Iowa State beat them earlier in the year. I think it's a big revenge spot. And Lincoln Riley is one of the best coaches in the country. And I feel like, you know, you can't fool him twice in the same season. Brees Hall, amazing running back for Iowa State. But I think the Sooners take care of business. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that uh, Oklahoma wins this one, like you said, big. Um, I'm going to pick Oklahoma to win 50-14. to 14. Iowa State, no business being seventh in the land. Matt Campbell, love what you've done. Brees Hall, great running back, but you're Iowa State, and Oklahoma's going to put you in your place. I mean, do we even need to do official predictions for the next one, Louisiana at Coastal Carolina? I assume you have Coastal Carolina in a blowout. Coastal by a million, baby. All right, moving on. Next one, Clemson, Notre Dame. This is crazy. This Notre Dame is a 10-and-a-half-point underdog. So disrespectful. I, that is very disrespectful. I would not touch that in a 10-foot pole um, in terms of picking Clemson against the spread, but I do think they are going to win. I'll say they win by 6, 33-27. This you is tricky. The, the double upset, the double Irish upset. It's your heart versus your head, right? Um, and my wife, Dottie, you know her well, cannot stand Clemson. And for that reason, I'm going with the Fighting Irish to win a second time. She's fist pumping right here next to me. I'm going to take the Fighting Irish to win. Final score, 45-42. It's going to be a classic, another classic. Is her biggest issue with Clemson Trevor Lawrence's hair? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, everyone has that. I, maybe it's jealousy, but uh, my girlfriend says the same thing. She's like, I hate Trevor Lawrence for you, but his hair is really nice. I was like, no, it's not nice. Like, It's, it's too, garbage. It, it's not wavy enough. That's that's my opinion. Uh, Alabama at Florida. I think Alabama is going to win in a route. I think Florida is going to be a little bit dead after that LSU performance. I uh, took a lot of energy out of them. And I wow, Kyle Trask has 40 touchdowns this year in 10 games. That's that's insane. Uh, but yeah, Alabama's going to win, I would say, by like 21. I'll say uh, 51 to 30. I, I think that this is your classic Florida's in the ballgame till halftime. I'll, I'll even give a halftime score prediction, 21-21. Kyle Pitts is ignorant in the first half uh, with Kyle Trask. People are saying, could Florida do it? And in the end, I'm going to pick uh, Alabama to get things sorted out, kind of like you, and to shut down Florida to win the, the game 51-21. Yeah, a quick point on that. Mac Jones, he's, you know, getting a lot of praise. They're saying, oh, he could be a second-round pick. Um, I actually think there's, like, some Jacob Coker syndrome going on. I think Mac Jones has completely uh, made 
to look good based on the amazing receivers that he has. And, and I feel running like, back. And running back too, yeah, and offensive line and, and coach and everything. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think the downfall of Alabama, if they don't win the national championship this year, I think Mac Jones is going to look human in some really big spots and probably throw a few big picks. So I'm planting my flag on that. And uh, I'm not kidding. I would score 21 points as a starting quarterback at Alabama. Uh, you, you do some, what's the guy's name on Denver that came in as the practice squad? Uh, I, I don't even, yeah, right. I don't even know his <laughs> name, but man, I would do something with Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris. Kendron Hooker or something like that? I don't, I don't remember. Anyway, Northwestern at Ohio – or not at Ohio State, but Ohio State neutral field. This one is a 20-point spread. Right now the over-under is 60. So they're basically saying that Ohio State is going to win something like 40 to 20. I think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring than that for Ohio State. And, I, you know, maybe Peyton Ramsey finds his way into the end zone somehow. A couple, but I, I feel like we're just going to turn this into a track meet, and I think we're going to win really convincingly. I'll say 52 to 24. We've said it before. Um, We've talked about what Ohio State needs to do this weekend. I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to cover the spread and look impressive. Um, I'm going to pick Ohio State to win by a final score of 48 to 14. And then so the playoff committee, they may meet.